All right. It's been a long time since uh, we've been together. So does everybody have a handout that needs one? We are still in Second Tim or First Timothy three, and we were on this handout here. I don't think we finished it up. Number six. All right, and let these also. All right. So um, I'm excited. I don't know why. I've, I've missed. Well, I, that sounds horrible. I don't know why, but I do. I miss these Sunday nights. I'm like, I really enjoy Sunday night. Uh, the time we have, you know, in the Word. I just people don't know what they're missing, I guess. So, I was so optimistic. I probably have twenty some handouts here. So, it's the same. Re- I, it's the same thing where I park in the parking lot, right in the very back, in hopes that it all fills up. <laughs> and so, you know what? Though God has been uh, bringing a lot of. We had some really, um, some really good guests to come in today. People that are. You know, I don't even know how they're, at VBS. They're finally their their kids came, and now they're checking us out and all of that. So it's good. Really? Oh, I didn't see her. I didn't get a chance to meet her. I got I got hung up by a visitor from Boston today. Yeah, so he may be meeting me uh, on our trip to Boston and be part of our team. He's a old KCBT guy that was here. Anyway, it's a long story, but I got hung up in that conversation, so I wasn't able to uh, meet all the guests. But I did get another fella from uh, who moved into town from Belton was here, and he's living uh, by the Morrows, and they, his daughter came to VBS. So God's, you know, it's just one touch here and one touch there, and that's exciting. Okay, well let's uh, let's get into the text and we will move on and get into our prayer time. My prayer pieces are not prepared. I think with VBS that may have fallen through the cracks, so we'll just pray uh, based on our prayer list. We got pl- plenty to pray about, so uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in Your Word, a familiar text to us, Lord, uh, familiar words, uh, familiar things that we know about regarding uh, pastors, but help us in relate in relation to the mystery of godliness. Put all this together in a way that encourages us. Again, it just dovetails nicely into what we're talking about this morning, Lord. And uh, Lord, give us the grace uh, to be who we need to be so we can accomplish that which you have called us to accomplish. Lord, if there's a failure in 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 the gospel, it's not in you, it's in us. And so, Father, um, just give us that ability to be aware of when we're, uh, you know, walking in the flesh and and, uh, and and giving ourselves over to the lust of the flesh, and not deceive ourselves, uh, and to immediately go back to walking in the spirit, so we can have the integrity that you need us to have to fulfill your mission. And uh, as uh, Patton said, you know, lead, follow, or get out of the way, Lord. We want to follow you, and uh, in that, Lord, we pray that others would be led to Christ. And uh, Lord, we want to do it with a much better spirit than General Patton. And so we just thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so uh, first, first Timothy 3, uh, you know, the whole chapter, we've read through it. Um, uh, we'll just kind of re- quickly rehearse it, get to our points. Uh, we're talking about um, 
you know, being real, being ready, and the glory of godliness. And we talked about that. We reflected uh, in the characteristics of the office. It's a good office. It's a good work. It's a good office for godly men to desire. Then we've been talking about the glory of godliness is reflected in the character of the officers, which ties us back into uh, verses, uh, ultimately verse 16, where he says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, uh, and believed on in the world, received up into glory. And so he's really answering what he ta- opens with in verse 5 of chapter 2. He says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And that passage in First Timothy 2.5 is why we come together on Sunday night, is to pray and to exercise that uh, priestly duty that we have as believers to intercede in prayer, and uh, which is the command of chapter 2, um, is to pray... Um, you know, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Um, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And so tonight, of all nights, right on the eve of the Supreme Court ruling, um, um, you know, it's a good time to remember that it's important to pray for kings and all that are in authority. Because uh, he can change the king's heart and turn it whithersoever he would. And so it's kind of interesting, right in between that, he packs this, this discussion of who's qualified and the qualifications of leaders because uh, all of us should represent Christ well, right? We should be godly and it's it, ultimately we're only godly because of Jesus Christ who is the fulfillment of the mystery of godliness. Okay, so we've covered all of that and we're continuing to look at that. So we got to the deacons in verses 1-13. through 13. Uh, I'm just going to pick it up in verse 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to wine, not, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and a pure conscience and let these also first be proved then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless even so must their wives um, be grave that doesn't mean they have multiple wives like the Mormons that means they have a, a wife those are sets of wives per deacons uh, be grave not slanders um, slanders slanderers I should say rather sober faithful in all things let the deacons be the husbands of one wife just in case we missed it ruling their children in their own house as well for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So we've looked at that text. We've already covered in verses 2 through 13 the character qualities of the officers. And so we know that a pastor must be, uh, which is not a suggestion, he must be blameless. Uh, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, filthy lucre, be patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, not a novice. Moreover, he must have a good report of them there without. Right. So we've covered all those 18 things. Um, and so, again, he says, likewise... Must the deacons be uh, grave? And we covered that. Not double-tongued. We've covered that. Not given them much wine. Uh, we have covered that. Um, we covered verse the fifth one, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And that took us a little time because we, reco- we covered back over the seven mysteries. Uh, and I covered each one of those in a summary formation. And that brought us up to where we left off point six. So here we are tonight talking about point six. And let these also first be proved. First be proved and uh, that's the, the blank is first uh, of course you, it's not hard to, to find that in the text um, so <clears throat> um, verse 10 is where you're going to find that first be proved now I have uh, have you ever seen a deacon who hasn't been proved 
get installed. Not here, I don't think. Uh, but I have. I have. I used to. I used to work with some guys uh, that were. Um, and I went to a church with guys that were installed as deacons prematurely. And they would tell you themselves, I didn't know what I was doing. And the weight of the, just exactly what I was talking about this morning, you don't want to put the weight of the ministry on people who are not prepared. It doesn't help the church, certainly. It doesn't help them either. My father is a good example of that. The, the, they put the weight of ministry on him before he was ready. And he was bitter about it. Uh, oh, almost to the day he died, you know, and so it was had detrimental effects on me big, uh, as a child, and so um, and and not that everyone's not responsible for themselves as they are, but there is a certain amount of when you get a good when you get a good-hearted person that wants to serve in the ministry, and then you just dump on them. Um, eventually, they're not. They're not. It's not fair to them. It's not, and they're not prepared. And the longer you're around ministry. And this is a mature group in here. We all know that people get zealous, but that zeal runs out, right? What keeps what keeps us going in the ministry isn't that youthful zeal, right? Uh, when you see Mitch uh, and Chris up here leading VBS like they're doing, that's not out of a, a youthful zeal. That's out of a maturity of sacrifice. Those those folks are investing, as well as many of the others here. Um, but there's a season in our Christian life where we're zealous, right? We're just like, we'll just do whatever, whenever, however. But that, that season eventually wears off, and you count the cost. And you have to realize, okay, I'm in it to win it. I'm doing this for Jesus' sake. So there's a level of maturity, just like in regular life, right, where you have to decide, I'm going to do what's right. Uh, not because of how it feels even, but because this is what honors God. And then your feelings catch up. And so um, that's why if a deacon must first be proved. I, I had a, and I would call him a, a friend. He's kind of more of an acquaintance, but I went to church with him, and his testimony was that when he was a young Christian, zealous and excited, this church, they needed a deacon, so they put him in. And uh, he didn't know anything. And as it ended up, I, I, I found out later, uh, years later, he still didn't have the integrity that he needed to be a deacon. You know, in financial dealings and stuff, he was one of those guys that was robbing Peter to pay Paul, not keeping his promises, things like that. And and I was like, well, that's true. He's one of those people, super gregarious, friendly guy. Everybody likes him. You know, kind of guy give you the impression he give you the shirt off his back, all that kind of stuff. And and that's just a complete lack of discipleship. And so Paul Paul says, hey, let these guys be proved. You know, first. Not later. <laughs> Don't use the office to prove them. Before they get put in the office, they should be proven. Uh, so uh, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. So really, what Paul is saying there is protect the office of the of the, the office. Right? It's not about the people. It's about the office. And and I would submit to you in any church, um, this probably isn't preached enough, and especially in these last days. You just probably saw that pastor who. I don't know if you saw it or not. I haven't said anything in public, but recently a pastor was called out in, um, in Warsaw, Indiana, because he had an affair um, with a 16-year-old, and uh, and she grew up in the church. Terribly, terrible thing. I don't want to get into the details too much. I just did, but um, uh, anyway, it all you know. Be sure your sin will find you out. So, 20, 30 years later. Um, it all comes out, and and it's all now the day with social media. It's all recorded, and uh, and he just kind of 
soft, soft, you know, didn't really fully, you know, share what happened. But it was wicked and devious. And so the girl, the woman who was married, was came up and filled in the gaps enough that all of a sudden the congregation who was applauding his courage was all of a sudden saying, "Wait a minute, did that happen the way she said it happened?" You know, and uh, of course. Yes, it did. So, so uh, immediately everybody understood this guy is disqualified, you know, and uh, and he is uh, certainly disqualified. Um, but beyond that, the it, it, it's as I was grieved. The reason I bring that up is I watched that video. I knew it was going to go viral. It was on Inside Edition. As a matter of fact, I just saw, I just saw it the other day again. And it's one of those things that um, the devil will use. Um, the redeeming thing about it is the body of Christ. They they comforted her. They were definitely treated him the way he needed to be treated, and he's resigned and gone. And um, and she was careful to say that everybody received her and loved her and all of that. So everything is is all as good as it could be, all things considered, and um, which is horrible. The point is, is the office. You know, we should have a high regard for the office because us men that fill it me included are not perfect the office is more important than the men that are in it uh, the office is is the office and so there should be a high regard for the office of the pastor and the deacon and us men that that want to be in those offices or that are called to be in those offices we can form our life to meet the office right the office doesn't conform its life to meet us <laughs> so that's basically what paul's saying let these first be proved right or that they have the character qualities to fill the office put that office you know uh, not the people but put the office at a high place uh so that um it is not uh you know um, so it doesn't hurt the people in it and it doesn't hurt the church right the office needs to stay there uh, and so again he mentions not a novice right um uh and so uh, the office of a deacon is not a popularity contest. It's a sober call of God upon the life of a man who stands in the gap for the kingdom of God. I've had men approach me. They come to this church and they say, well, I'm a deacon. Uh, the way the S- SBC deals with deacons is once you're ordained a deacon, you're a deacon for life. And so, and I'm okay with that. But even if you're a deacon for life, you're going to be, you're going to be, you know, we're going to select deacons. We don't need a hundred deacons or in a small church, so we're going to have seven. And whether you have the title or not, you should be deaking, right? Just be a deaker, with or without the title. And uh, interestingly enough, the guys that have come in here, uh, with the exception of one, who was our initial deacon, Joe Sparks, that were deacons, uh, many of them have never been selected as deacons here. Joe Sparks is the exception. Uh, but others that come in and they're all like, hey, I'm a deacon, um, never got the deacon going on here, and they never made it to the office. So uh, it's not a popularity contest. So it needs to be, the, the fruit needs to be there. And uh, and sometimes um, um, it, the fruit's not on the tree, so we don't allow folks that, that don't have the fruit to be in the office. So uh, any before I move on, any questions on that? All right. First Timothy 3.12, look there at that verse. says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. So let the deacons be the husbands of, obviously, one wife. Uh, like the pastor, he's to be a one-woman man. And we cover that in quite, quite good detail uh, under the pastor section, so I'm not going to go on about that. Point eight, ruling their chil- children in their own houses well, of course, you could read the text. You know it's that. Um, like the pastor, and for the same reason, if the kids don't respect your authority in the home, why would uh, the congregation respect your authority in the church? 
And so um, that's a good way and an indicator. And of course, obviously, we talked about this with the pastors. No pastor nor PK or MK is perfect, so there needs to be grace. But the issue of authority and structure need to be there. Uh, otherwise, you can't rule the home or the house of God, the household of faith. Uh, they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That's nine as degree. So notice that the deacon doesn't fill the office. He uses it. Uh, he is active in its function, not sitting in a position. You ever notice that about the King James Bible and uh, that word there? I don't know. what the, I haven't checked out other translations, but I'd be interested to know what they say. Because it says he used the office of a deacon. I've, and that always sticks out to me because when you think you see that word used, you kind of think of someone who's manipulating something. But that's not what it's saying. He's saying this person is actively engaging in service. He's a serving person. He's not just in a position you know, of, uh, of authority because he's attained some thing. He's actually using the office. He's using that occasion to serve the body of Christ, to build it up and, uh, and edify the body. And so that's so important. Um, uh, so he's not, a, he's not in a sitting position. He's in a, he's in a moving position in that office. And I like the word purchase as well. Purchase is a cool word because the officer and his family will always have a price to pay for the privilege of service. Uh, would to God we would, you know, embrace that uh, more and more. And at Heartland, I, I do think that that spirit, I see that in, in the, the church. We had a season where uh, we didn't have that spirit of the... Pr- oh, yeah, Ron. Um, there are some churches that, that, you know, you are sitting in the position. And I think that's what we're talking about with some of the Yeah, I am. I don't think they intend it. I don't think the SBC folks intend it to be that way. And I actually don't really have a doctrinal problem with uh, ordaining this fella and saying that, that um, you know, they're a deacon for life, per se. Uh, we have had deacons here that become emeritus because, in essence, we're saying they've proven themselves. They're an elder. They're a deacon for life. Joe Sparks, Walt. Walt Cundiff was never a deacon, by the way. Yeah. He he was selected every time, and I wanted to install him because he was a deacon. So in my mind, even I think of him as a deacon. And boy, those are the guys you want to be deacons, <laughs> you know, because they do the they do the work of a deacon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I actually, even in the two-year rotation thing that we do, I just took that from our sending church. That's what they did, and in our two two-year rotation. I saw, even though it's a two-year rotation, I saw, I know men that um, protested because they were not selected as a deacon. I wanted to know why. Um, and I won't get into how that all went, but but I remember being privy to all of that, and I thought to myself, you know, that's a pretty sad situation. Uh, if I'm not selected, then I'm, it wouldn't have affected. I actually, I was, I served as a deacon too for a while. I did not, didn't seek it. I was not, I wouldn't have, if they would have not selected me as a deacon, it wouldn't have affected anything I was doing one way or the other. It did not, not saying it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but it's not like something you seek after or it's it, just to your point, Ron. Amen. It's some people just want to sit in the office. Um, yeah, you're not running for office. Uh, it's no big deal. And at Heartland, we have had a few times where we we limited it to seven, and I do feel like, wow, you know, we probably could have had eight or nine, 
And there's other times where I've limited it to five when we've had an opening, you know, for seven is the max, right? So, and I just based that on the number they needed in Jerusalem. They just said, hey, and they had thousands and thousands of people. They only had seven deacons. So we got hundreds of people and we got seven deacons. (laughs) Because those who were not selected because they were protesting shows that they were not supposed to be a deacon. Yeah, sadly, they went ahead and relented. I would have told them too bad. But I don't know. That's actually that incident that I'm mentioning, and I, I wouldn't get into names. That is that's why I set the number at a certain number, uh, because if in the if and when something like that would happen here, I would just pull. The, I would just take executive privilege and say, "Listen, this is how many we got, and you didn't make it. So try again next time." So, uh, and I don't do it. I again, I the way we select deacons is the way they did it in Acts 6. I don't actually select them. The congregation selects them. And so I literally just go by the the selection. Yeah, whoever the body selects. And uh, every time I typically agree with it, and when I typically haven't, there's been some moral issue and they withdraw themselves. I don't think I've ever had to actually remove anybody since I've been here or pull them out. But I do reserve the right to do that. If I'm privy to something... Uh, the uh, deacon candidate has been put on the list, and I'm privy to something nobody else is. I do reserve the right to say no. Yeah, so I would do that. But so far, so good. The body seems to select people that I agree with, and uh, and it's never been a problem. And the pastoral team agrees with as well. So it's always been good. That just tells you that you know we're getting good deacons in the office. Uh, but yeah, Ron, you, you, there are the SBC I th- the portion or process isn't necessarily wrong, but I've just seen guys get puffed up with it, and I don't think it's because of their process as much as they're proving. Um, they, they probably let people in the office that shouldn't have been there, and then they it gets to their head or something. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, amen to that. And we've seen that. You get de- I've seen de- you know in Baptist circles you um you know deacons can become a byword because uh deacons that have allowed things to go to their head have destroyed a lot of churches. Uh, I know uh, a church down in Springfield, Missouri where uh, the deacons expressly uh would not allow discipleship. To, they wouldn't allow the pastor to disciple. Uh, and, and bring in the discipleship ministry, and uh, and he says, you know, well, wait a minute, this is not an issue of us voting. This is the mission. You know, here it is. This is what this is talking about. This is what Paul's talking about. This is what we do. It's not a not a decision. It's not a program we're voting on. And so they showed him the fine print of their constitution, and he was gone. He was no longer the pastor of that church. So those things go on too, and people get you know they kind of again it sullies the the office, and the, the, again the office is is more important than the people that get in it, and that's unfortunate. So we need to protect the offices, and uh, and the officers are part of protecting that as well, and the Lord of course because it's His church. So. Uh, but that word purchase, right, that, there's a price to be had for the privilege of services. I was saying a minute ago, it, it is good to, to look at ministry and the cost of ministry as a privilege, not a right. Uh, it's an honor to serve, and it's not a it's not a right, you know. Um, 
I don't deserve to be the pastor of Heartland. I thank God I am the pastor of Heartland. And uh, same thing for the deacons. We don't deserve to be deacons, but we're thankful that we are deacons. There's a difference. We purchased that, right? Uh, and uh, it's a privilege of service. And the family is, has to purchase it as well. And I believe the last part, First Timothy three thirteen, invokes is the is to invoke the memory of the deacon Stephen. There he says, um, notice where it says, "For for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus." Now you know, as Paul's saying that he was there watching Stephen. You know, I mean, he was the one consenting to his death. Paul knew exactly. Uh, I think Paul had a super regard for the office of a deacon. He didn't think of him as lesser. Uh, just uh, lesser men. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest men in the Bible in the New Testament is a deacon, Stephen. Although the office name wasn't attributed at that time, we all understand that in his essence what, what he was. Well, he was, uh, tri- those those were selected. Uh, technically, it doesn't call him deacon, so until Paul calls him a deacon in First Timothy. But... Uh, and I, I, really, I like that because Paul had a unique perspective uh, as he was heading up the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7. And, uh, you know, I could imagine, uh, you, know, you know, he got sliced and diced by Stephen's message, you know, himself. So he understood the honor of, of a man like Stephen and the boldness that he had in the faith. So the boldness that men need to have should not come from any other spirit than the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they saw the, the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And so um, let me finish this up tonight so we can move on to the next point. Uh, the officers' wives. The officers' wives. So he deals with them in verse 11. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. So the wives are, uh, obviously, a man is as good as his wife, right? And so behind every good man is a good woman. So even so must their wives be grave. So we saw that that means honest, right? You remember that, that grave means honest? Um, and not slanderers, which again, you can find that in the text. Again, that word slander is also translated serpent, uh, translated 35 times in the New Testament from the word diablos, meaning serpent, or you might know in Spanish, diablo is the devil, right? So if you speak Spanish, uh, is that right? I can check tonight because you're here. So diablo is the devil. So diablos is the, is the Greek word for that. And uh, and so when you think of slander, you think of a serpent. And so uh, that would be the devil. So you don't want that. And sober, this is to be temperate emotionally and would serve as a warning against drunkenness of any kind. Faithful in all things. Um, and so this is a woman who demonstrates fidelity, right? Proverbs 31, the Bible says, I talked about this uh, just this Tuesday with Gala, who can find a virtuous woman? Her, her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so he hath no need of spoil. You know what? A, a man that has a virtuous woman, a faithful wife, what's, he, what's that mean? He's going to have everything he needs, right? He's not looking for love in all the wrong places, and uh, his heart is safely trusting in her. I have that kind of a wife. I'm so thankful. And uh, it's nice to, to be able to have that confidence in your where your, your heart does safely trust in her. Um, not worried about what your wife's doing, where she's going, what's happening, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, that gives a man a lot of peace, a lot of security. And so, uh, and that, in the office, that's important. You don't need insecure men in places of secure secure offices, right? You need men that are stable, not unstable. And a and a and an unfaithful wife will destabilize a man every time, and it, as it should because it's troublesome. Think about the Lord. Uh, his wife, Jerusalem or Israel, has been unfaithful to him, and it's fortunate he's such a good God and he's still stable. And so, um, okay, sober. Uh, this is to be temperate emotionally and would serve as a warning against drunkenness of any kind. Uh, you know, so even the shopping channel could get you drunk. So, you know, be sober. So no more shopping channel, Amy Joe. You can't do that anymore. She doesn't do that at all, so I'm just kidding. Uh, so um, faithful. We do know someone who does. They're like drunk on the shopping channel. It's like, why did you buy that? You know, you're just obsessed with it. It's like gambling habit or something. Um, faithful in all things. This woman who demonstrates uh, this fidelity, we've covered that. The character of the officers and their wives is important because they represent the Lord and the church, not only before the congregation and the community, but they are, they are the very image of Christ. In, and uh, the church, so which is the uh, which the elect angels desire to look into, and Satan and his fallen angels de- desire to destroy. So, uh, do you have a typo under point five? Yes, the not he. I just noticed that. So, no, this is not a divinely inspired notes. Okay. So, but the word of God is all right. So, yeah, the church but you get the point isn't that interesting so the the angels desire to look into what we're doing and so do the devils right which are fallen angels and so uh, uh we're, we're we are the beautiful bride of christ and uh, and so uh what we're doing here it's int- we were just talking about this after church today about hbf and, and all local churches that love the lord and are following the lord um you know, one of the reasons that we keep a security posture isn't because we're anything important in regard to the world system. We're not a strategic location. We're all those things. But you know what? We are on the map with God, and the devil knows that. And so we need to be sober and vigilant because we do know the adversary uh, it would like to mess us up. So we need to be sober and vigilant. And part of that comes with uh, these offices and protecting them. Now, next week when we get together, we'll talk about, uh, you know, reflected in the character of the congregation. So as we wrap up this last part, all of this is actually not leading to just the offices and the officers. It's actually going to deal with the congregation's character, and that's important. One of the reasons we're doing the seven realities is for that very reason, so that we as a congregation have the character that we need to represent the Christ, Christ well before he comes for us. So it's reflected in the characteristics of the office, the character of the officers, and next week we'll talk about how the glory of godliness is reflected in the character of the congregation. All right, so let's pray. Uh, and uh, we'll go to our prayer time and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to meditate upon these things. Pray that we give ourselves wholly to them. Help us to honor you. Lord, we have a country where we have offices. Uh, we have presidents and governors and senators and congressmen and we locally have mayors and different offices and so on and so forth and we understand that uh, the office is more important than the person in it and at times when there's people in it it seems to ma- that we like uh, that seem to have good integrity and we the office seems to be magnified and Lord, we also know that when there's people that's in the office that don't uh, really match the, the magnitude 
attitude of the office, it's grievous. And so, Heavenly Father, may that not happen in your church. Lord, in the world, um, it is what it is. But Lord, in the church, Lord, may we have a higher standard. May we keep our garments spotless and pure. May we be clean uh, when you come for us. Lord, uh, forgive us, Lord. Let me let me start there uh, where we have not... Um, ever you know whether it's our church or other churches lord i think about this church up in warsaw indiana uh, i pray lord that congregation lord that you just uh, lord give them mercy and grace as the as the pastor did not uh, live a life that magnified the office and it's a reproach lord i pray god that you would uh, bring them a really good pastor that that really loves you and that it has integrity and it can restore lord uh, the magnus magnificence of of the office not the officer but the the, the office itself, that uh, people would trust in that office and understand that that's your office. Thank you, Lord, for exposing that sin and uh, not letting the pastor get by with uh, minimizing uh, what happened and, uh, Lord, protecting the office in that church. And so, Father, we see those things happen. And we thank you for our church and we thank you for our office uh, and the officers that are in it. And uh, we pray for all the churches because we all have a target on our back. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus and the protection and the shield of faith that you give us, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, that our Lord's good, good about with truth, Lord, the feet shot of the preparation of the gospel of peace, Lord, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, all those things that you have given us and the sharp two-edged sword. Help us to hold fast to those things, and, and Lord, we know that without you we can do nothing, uh, but Lord, with you, Lord, there's nothing impossible with God. So we praise you, we thank you, and we ask a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word, and we pray tonight for our prayer time that, Lord, you would be glorified as we uh, break up and pray together over the things that are uh, important uh, in the congregation. We just thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, oh, yeah, thank you. There's a song by Shy Lynn called Turn It Off. It's a really good rap song if you're ever into that. So, anyway.